Hi guys, welcome to EPAC Fitness Podcast with me, Bob. And today's guest is Emma Story Gordon, who um, owns AFM, EIQ, um, ESG Fitness, and probably a couple of other things. Um, very, very interesting and unbelievable individual. She's my business coach. And today we're talking about sort of ADHD and how it can impact us from a fitness perspective, how we deal with it and the life lessons we actually learn from it and how we actually utilize it as a superpower. Um, definitely someone you should should be following and a really interesting just discussion. We didn't really look back at it. We didn't really look at questions or anything like that. It was just a nice discussion that was sort of directed a little bit. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, hit the like, follow, subscribe button. Every buttons are there. And hope you enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I get that. So I, I think I, at, at least until, and this is quite interesting, until it's kind of become almost like cool or like in vogue to have ADHD, I never spoke about it, nor dyslexia either. And I think I was actually quite embarrassed about both of them. Um, I was, so I, I used to say, so before I before all this diagnosis and me going to see a counselor and whatnot happened, I I thought I had anxiety, like high functioning anxiety first, because like no matter how anxious I felt about stuff, I was able my able to get stuff done, like before the deadline, like right on the deadline, and I went to go and see the counselor and the counselor was just like, like she was she was brilliant, like she was a brilliant therapist and I saw her for like a good six months, until like. She got real expensive real fast. And um, she was like, oh, have you ever thought about like the symptoms being linked to like ADHD and autism? And I was like, no. And then like, I think because I'd convinced myself I had the anxiety when I got the diagnosis. And obviously, like you said, the stigma's just sort of gone now on it. It's like there isn't a stigma anymore. Like you said, it's almost cool and trendy and like everybody's got it. Yeah. Although I think there's two sides to that as well. Like I don't think I think it's cool and trendy because most people have traits of ADHD. So they just say I've got ADHD. But for someone who actually has it and struggles with it, it's not cool and trendy. And I think people don't see that side of it and they don't see all the stats around it and like the you know, like they have generally a lower um life expectancy higher risk of binge eating higher risk of like numerous other eating disorders like high risk of impulsive behaviors or being in debt like there's like the kind of funny side or not funny but like oh yeah I struggle with like attention as well and then there's like actually the side that's actually pretty shit and I think sometimes now with social media and TikTok and blah 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 like that side isn't shown no, it's all about, oh, I've got ADHD, but look what I can do. Or here's a funny reel of me not being able to do something or leaving something on the floor and my partner tripping over it. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Show the fact that you can literally sit there on your phone scrolling to fucking nothingness for four hours whilst just guilt tripping yourself to doing something and then not being able to do it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I think it is becoming a little bit too oh yeah I've got ADHD as well kind of thing and that's that's... I I think that also becomes like limiting belief self-fulfilling prophecy like oh you can't do this because of this like oh I just 
couldn't possibly concentrate for that amount of time or I couldn't get that done and I think for me the the most important thing about a diagnosis is probably just like realizing that you might have to do it a different way not that you can't do it because you're absolutely capable of doing it like even with people with really severe ADHD you can concentrate you just it probably just doesn't look like how other people concentrate right you can do all these hard things but your approach might be slightly different and I that needs to be the message not oh you can't do this now like I remember being told at school that I'd never know how to spell because I was so dyslexic and I'm like how in in any way is that useful and why am I in this fucking spelling class if I'm never going to be able to spell like what's the point of me even trying and that's like that's what we want to avoid yeah I mean I, I guess that's with with a lot of things isn't it it's not just sort of mental health obviously you think fat loss as well people are told yeah. they're never going to lose weight but like when did you when did you actually get diagnosed um about uh 13 14 maybe 12 I don't know right. I can't anybody that doesn't know Emma looks 21 yeah so not long ago just a few years ago when I was 30 <laughs> no uh quite a long time ago now um 31 yeah 31 jeez yeah. so like saying that I didn't feel like I didn't feel like it was a diagnosis because my parents didn't really take any notes of it and they're like oh cool you might have to work a bit harder and look there's a support group you can go to at school so they put you in that and then you get taken out of your normal classes to go and learn how to spell which apparently you'll never know how to do anyway and then you end up falling behind in your normal class so I have to say there was like a slight fault in the system there but yeah I think I was really lucky in how my mum especially responded to it and was never like oh well then you can't won't be able to do that it was just like okay so you'll need to work harder and then like an unbelievable amount of privilege as well that like I really struggled with certain subjects at school and so I got a maths tutor so I did end up passing maths right and I'm fully aware that that's not how every parent responds to it or like the level of support that every kid gets um but yeah I was really lucky in that yeah did you did you get diagnosed through school yeah NHS vibes yeah so like I was I was in a fortunate position last year where like I could go and pay for the diagnosis. Like the, if you go to the NHS route now, it's like a two year waiting list. Like you get a phone I'm call. I'm surprised and... with the, like 90% of the population deciding they've got. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a phone call with a doctor and then they just ask you leading questions. It's like, oh, do you, do you feel like your attention isn't great? Yes. Well, I mean, 99% of people at that time is probably going to be like, yeah, like all the time. Forget about stuff all the time. Oh, do you, do you feel like you got brain fog? Like, it's so leading and like, people are like, well, yeah. And then the difference between like a, a neurodivergent and a neurotypical person answering that question is like, I'd be like, oh yeah, because I do this. And like, yeah, that's that's the reason. That's the reason. Like, oh, do you, um, do you go to the gym? So, oh yeah, because like I have crippling anxiety if I don't. Like, yeah it's probably because you're masking something yeah yeah, yeah. whereas someone like oh yeah yeah just uh, go to the dinner again do you feel like do you feel like you masked it before obviously like talking about it without the stigma did you feel like you masked it in some way um probably yeah I mean like exercise definitely um definitely with 
like the more struggling with like dyslexia as well like I just avoid reading or like if someone asked me to read something out like I just like not do it I don't know I just find any excuse not to do it that kind of stuff or even just like writing a name in front of someone no didn't want to do that like so I think I'd, it was less masking and just complete avoidance I mean like having worked with you for the last like four months I know that you don't read books mm. but well, I'm lucky now that you know like at school when it was like well you know you're gonna have to learn maths because you won't always have a calculator and you're like oh I literally do now in my hand every day and same with like how would you ever read like how would I read without audible I wouldn't right but actually I I read quite quite read listen to a lot of books now and I love it but it was just how much brain energy it took to actually read in the way that most people read that was like not feasible for me to do and do you feel like if you said this the other day, um, so I had a Facebook post that someone commented on and was at, arguing with me. And I literally turned to Sarah after about three or four replies. And I was like, this is really draining. Mm. Like, and I don't know how anybody who's got hundreds of thousands of followers who gets like trolled online and stuff, how people actually do it. Like, because I would hear that. Because I'm literally trying to show someone there's some evidence to back up what I'm saying. And they're not taking it in. And it's like, I can't deal with this. They literally had turned back up to work later on that day. I was absolutely fucked. Like mentally, I was just drained. So like when you obviously like if you don't like reading, and I know that if I listen to an audiobook, I can't concentrate on what they're saying. So like I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh, that's such a great point. And then I'll literally 30 seconds later be like, what did they say? So do you not find that like because you don't Obviously, if you're not reading and you're listening to everything, do you not find that it takes such a lot of brain power to sort of retain the information that you're listening to? Sometimes I write a lot of notes. So even, and like that will be enough to jog my memory. Like my notes are up at the moment. I've got 10,996 notes in my phone. And I think that, like if I'm listening to an audiobook or something, I'll write down the notes. So you're looking at how many you've got. Um, I got four hundred and seven. Hey, that was not bad. Yeah, I've only had this phone for like a year, so. No, I think that is a good couple of years that I've I've been writing notes in that, but that really really helps me. I also have like a weird. I don't think this is related to like ADHD or anything, but I'll normally remember exactly where I was when I heard something if it's like poignant to me or like. I remember, I'll remember where I was. Like, I remember trying to get Amelia to retell a story. And I was like, I can't remember what you were talking about exactly. But I remember we were exactly here at this point, right after we'd done this. But I can't remember the specifics of the story. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was telling you this. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was it. But it's funny that, like, you'll remember things like that, but not. So I guess. Yeah. I don't find Audible that hard to take in probably depends how boring the book is see i find i find i find it really hard to take the notes well or take in what audible's saying because i'm thinking whilst i'm listening to it, i'm thinking about how i can utilize it and then i think about utilizing it so i'd actually think about what they're saying and then when it comes to actually writing it down i've already completely forgotten but 
I'm usually listening to it when I'm taking Odin for a walk or when I'm in the car. Like I don't listen to Audible at any other time. So probably needs to change. Yeah, I think um, one trait that's quite common with ADHD is like, if the information doesn't seem useful, you won't remember it, right? This is kind of why I like, I really struggle with fiction. Like, I don't think I've ever finished a fiction book because I'm like, I don't really see the point of a story. No, I I completely understand. People will be like listening to this, like, yeah, but it's interesting. You can learn stuff even if it's not true. And blah, like, and I, I get it, right? But I just can't buy into it because I don't see a direct outcome to it. And I know that trait of mine. And again, like, this is where I want to be really clear that I'm not like, oh, because I've got ADHD and I don't see an outcome to this, then I'm not going to do it. I'm very much aware of like, that's probably how my brain would work, but it's changeable if I don't want it to be like that, right? Not to get too personal, but that's why like, it's potentially harder for a lot of people to get into relationships because if you can't see a direct, like what is the point of going for a date? What do we get from that? Like, what is the outcome? And if it's just like, to have a nice date, I'm like, hmm, yeah, okay. But like, what's the tangible outcome of this but again that's a trait like I know about myself so I'll question and I and I think that's the important part and probably the most important thing I learned from therapy is if there is a part of you that you don't like whether you have ADHD or not or dyslexia or not you know whatever it is you can change it like you might not be the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you're completely carefree and you don't ever care about outcomes to things but you can certainly move up that spectrum. So if there's things, same with like labeling yourself as an avoidant, like I definitely have avoidant tendencies, but the whole point in realizing that is so that you can change it if you want to change it, right? Not just to be like, sorry, I didn't do that. I'm an avoidant. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i a massive fan of labeling stuff anyway, <laughs> because I think, like you said, if you categorize something, you sort of, you have that self-fulfilling prophecy of, all right, well, I'm going to do what they do when it's just sort of like labeling, labeling something is sort of a, an, enlab- an enabling mm-hmm. thing where you can be like, all right, well, I know this, so now I know how to counter it rather than lean into it. Yeah, why I think diagnosis is useful because without it, you're like, I'm just stupid. You know, like when you're at school and you can't spell the same as other people, you're just like, well, I'm obviously just stupid. And when you tell yourself that for 20, 30, 40 years, then it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And it might seem like it was such a long time ago, but like, I guess this is kind of similar to the way that genetics can predispose obesity as well. Actually, we know that the FTO gene will predispose you to being overweight, now, when you look at the data, it's only probably going to predispose you to being about two kilograms overweight. But if you're a little bit more overweight at school and you're not as good at sport, and so you don't like doing sport, and then you kind of get known as the chubby kid, and then you call yourself the chubby kid, and then you start beha- behaving like that, that cycle over years and years and years is why you continue to overeat. And then it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Same with if I'm always the stupid kid and so I start to behave like that and you start to behave worse at school or you don't bother trying in exams because you're like well I'm not going to pass anyway and then that continues throughout life then you are the person who didn't bother going to the 
to uni and then didn't bother going for that job because you're stupid anyway so that story that you're telling yourself becomes reality and that's something that's really important to avoid and I think can either go one way or other with the diagnosis right if you've got like stigma around dyslexia and you're like right that means I'm stupid that's going to go the negative way but if you're like oh okay that means my brain works slightly differently and I'm not stupid I just need to learn in a slightly different way that's a very empowering diagnosis the other really hard thing about this is and I don't know from a young age really how this happens apart from potentially parental influence or just what you've experienced but I was very much someone I remember at school being told we did I think everything's changed now but it was like um hires or intermediate twos and intermediate twos were basically like what you've done the last year but like just a slight bit better now you can't get into uni without doing hires and my teachers told me that you can't do hires you'll need to do in twos and I was like no tell me I can't do it I'm absolutely doing it so I was like I'm doing higher everything and I did end up passing right but some people would be like oh I've been told I can't do it so I'm not doing it other people will be like tell me I can't do it I'll I'll absolutely be doing that now like who knows how to this is why you have to be quite careful with your messaging because if you tell one person that they can't do it that will motivate them if you tell somebody else that will completely crush them and I don't have the answer to that like who's going to respond in a certain way no I, I mean I think I'm I'm very stubborn mm. anyway and I think that's like it, it's one of those where it can be a ridiculously positive trait like you've just said in terms of like tell me I can't do it I'm definitely gonna fucking do it or it's not because like people have an opinion and they won't ever look at someone else's because they're stubborn about their own and like I was just I was listening to you listening to you talk then for like 25 minutes. Um and I was just thinking, how how do you remember the point? Because like if I spoke for that long once, I would literally forget what I'm actually like the point at the end of it is. And yeah. You never, you never found that. Because every well, obviously I, I listen to I listen to quite a lot of the stuff you do. I read quite a lot of the stuff you do. And it's like you always you 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 come across very succinct and I know that you're you're one of these people who takes who sort of prides themselves on sort of imperfect action I'm like oh well if it's shit I'll find out because nobody will interact with it and like I I will I'll always have in my head three or four things that I definitely need to do but I couldn't tell you what those three or four things are and if I start talking about them I'll always probably lose my point by the end of me actually talking that's why uh I have notes up in front of me and also why I always have and this is a little like tip and again it's like finding stuff that works for you but I always have like written notes of like general things that I thought we should cover in this I mean you've sent some over but I've put little bits on them and then also like I always have a sheet of paper in front of me and what's written on it probably will make no sense to anybody but whenever I'm doing a podcast like say you were talking I don't want to interrupt you I might just write like mum because I wanted to remember to talk about one thing that my mum said right just to trigger my mind but I think it's normal to get like a bit lost Uh, I don't think I'm perfect at that either but I will also just own it and be like yeah I've got three points to make and then I'll be like I don't remember the third one 
So I've got two points to make. <laughs> I think I've listened to about four of your podcasts in the last week, just in prep for this more, and obviously just for the info as well. And at least twice you've done that. Yeah. There you go. It's just like, ah, oh, I can't remember the third one. Must not be important. Yeah. Or, you know, when it sometimes sounds good when you're like, A, blah, 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 B, blah, 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 and C, no, there was just A and B, but like three points normally sounds better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to start listing things and then you just name one thing. Mm. I, th- um, I think one of, the, one of the things a lot of people know when they follow you and things like that is how you, and I've taken this on board and, and used it with my own clients, but like the whole reframing thing, like you like to reframe things and like, I mean, you, you've essentially just done it previous way you just said oh well if someone's going to tell me I can't do it I'm going to reframe it and be like I can't yeah so like do you and obviously like when you first got diagnosed and you kind of helped behind help behind and masked it behind the stigma kind of thing did you ever do you ever remember sort of how and when you sort of reframed that and started earning it um probably quite recently I would say more with like I mean, I think I don't think it ever negative, hugely negatively affected me. I just didn't want anyone to know because I thought that they would think that I wasn't very clever, right? Not that, and like as an example of this, not that I and Amelia is like my best mate, and she would never judge anybody, but it's my own like self thing. But we obviously work together on EIQ, so we built a nutrition education platform. I wouldn't have really felt comfortable, or I would have like again my own. I'm so sure she wouldn't have if I was like oh I'm dyslexic and I'm gonna struggle with blah 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 like I'd think oh like do you really want to like start an education program with this girl who's like a bit dyslexic has ADHD you know that kind of stuff like I just kept it to myself I don't think I had the negative stigma of telling myself I couldn't do stuff I was like I just don't want other people to know because I think that they'll think that I can't do stuff and I was like I know that I'll just have to do it a different way I'll be able to do it like when building EIQ for example like I fully knew I was capable of it it wouldn't be the same way that Amelia or like you know Amelia would do it or another example of this is when people say like you need to focus on one thing and there's like if you change what you're doing but like if you task swap then you won't ever have the concentration to get anything done blah blah blah, blah. or like the certain techniques to concentration and how they've done these brain scans on things and this is how you should concentrate optimally none of that works for me like I actually thrive off doing numerous things at once and I think I don't know if it's like the dopamine hit of changing tasks like even between emails and stuff like I don't know why but and that's how I get the most done and the quality of work is pretty high right or it's high enough to build numerous successful businesses so it's doing all right could it be better I don't know probably but it works and it's how I work and I guess that's that's what's useful about knowing that your brain might work a little bit differently is to kind of like open yourself up to be like okay I'm not just going to stick to what this piece of research says or what generally we're taught at school this is the way that you learn I'm actually going to have to figure this out for myself and I think the diagnosis opens that up to you so, like, I feel I feel like uh, there's a lot of people when they when they get diagnosed, especially at a very young age, like having like I was quite fortunate. I won't 
I wouldn't naughty at school. And I never really had, up until university, I never had to like do any revision or anything like that. Like I was quite fortunate in that, that for some reason back then I was able to retain information. And I, like, obviously if I did have it back then, I'd, I'd, maybe it manifested itself sort of later on. Like, I think that stigma on um, all the negatives that can come with it don't hit you as hard. Because I think when when you're a kid, you get told something, like when you're told you're dyslexia, like that could have easily just sent you down a wrong spiral. Yeah, and also like looking back, you kind of think you're literally pulled out of class in front of everybody. So they're like, hi, we're here to get Emma for the spell, you know, like for the special needs class. And so in front of everyone, you have to walk out the class to go and do the other class. And you think like that obviously adds like, that everybody knows as well that that's where you go yeah I don't know like looking back I'm like is that the best way to do it now saying that it's like how else do you give people the extra support that they need yeah but yeah. you it's not doing it in front of the whole class like <laughs> and like do you see do you see yourself as, as having like the superpowers now because I don't think there's many people who like you said, have as many successful businesses as you do who can probably do bits on all of them every single day? Yeah, well, I mean, there's really cool research on this that shows that there's a much higher percentage of entrepreneurs who have ADHD or who have dyslexia. Again, because you think in a different way, which means that you kind of connect dots in different ways and you probably make connections that other people wouldn't make or think about things in ways that other people don't. So as much as there's definitely negatives, I think there's positives as well. And I'm always someone that focuses on the positives. So, yeah, I think I definitely think it's helped me get to where I am. That doesn't mean that there's also not negative sides of it. So, yeah, with most things there is. And what negatives do you see? I think I manage it very well in my business life. I think, I hope. And it's easier to... For example, I have an amazing VA who kind of keeps me on track with certain things. And that really helps as well. And just being organized and like you can do it in that way. I think I struggle more in like my personal life, keeping on top, like even just like stupid things like bills and stuff that like I have the money to pay, but I just I find it boring. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I've just put that off the side or like, I don't know, like I don't even have a car anymore, but even like not having to get insurance for the car or take it for an MOT you know it's like day-to-day stuff even I was speaking to someone about this yesterday I'm like even buying my own clothes like I find it boring because I can't see an outcome that excites me from it I know some people love fashion but like it's not my thing so I'm like I don't really want to spend any time or effort looking at clothes so I would just like I'd be happy to wear the same thing all the time um I mean, I've only ever seen you in jeans, Converse, and a t-shirt, so. Yeah, I mean, black everything, always, so you don't have to think about it. Done. Uh, yeah, and then I think I, it definitely is more of a struggle in relationships. How does it, for you, like, do you think there's a difference? <laughs> um, so, I get, so what, what, I'll, what will happen with me is when I switch tasks, I'll get, like, I'll get, like, this wave of motivation to do it. And then I'll sit down and if I've not previously started that task, it'll take me all of the time I've allocated to start it. 
if I come back to something that I've started, it's like, sweet. Get on with it. Um, that in itself, I, this is a good example of like learning how you work. Because once you know that, it's much easier to then, like even just being conscious of it to be like, right, this normally takes me, I'm just going to start. Even the lowest barrier, like literally just opening a Word document and being like, bam, the title. Okay, now it's started. When I come back to it, I'm going to be way quicker. So what I've started doing is I start most of, so most of the posts or most of the content or most of the stuff with clients and program writing and things like that, I will literally start in my notes. Yeah. Because I can do that between, I can do that between clients. I can do that uh, between phone calls, between Zooms, between whatever I'm doing. I can literally do it whilst I'm on the toilet. I can do it anywhere, train, bus, car. And what it allows, allows me to do, it allows me to actually sit down and be like, actually, yeah. I could do this, but I do still find that there's, there's like, uh, there's a list of important stuff and there's a list of stuff I want to do. And there's very, very little overlap between the two. Um, like the important stuff, like I'm like, I'm, I'm doing your EIQ course and I think I've done like four lectures and I think I did them all on the same day. But then what I'll do is in a couple of weeks when I've got a day free, I'll do like four on the bounce and I'll be real motivated for it. But right now it's not in that list of priority. Mm. And I always always find that like my priorities, like my top five priorities will always switch. And very rarely will they have the same things in on a day-to-day basis, whether that's personal or work. From a personal point of view like money wise I'm terrible with money like a really terrible with money yeah didn't you tell me that you paid for Invisalign and then you were just like no I'm not doing it um so yeah so that I I did get my money back to be fair Mm. and it wasn't Invisalign I can't remember what 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 it was but it was the same thing like I've still got the pictures of me having to like you know when you've got the mouth guard and you've got to like smile I've still got those pictures on there and horrendous like do you know when the pop-up on like your iphone tells you like oh you may like like this picture from a year ago and it's like yeah. i'm all right um yeah and they sent me some teeth whitener and then i just rang them i was like i can't be asked to do this again so can i just have my money back um bills like i'm not very good at like following things up when it comes to bills so i got a bill through last week and basically, even though I thought I set up a direct debit for my unit for my energy bill, I hadn't. So I just got a bill for two and a half years worth of electricity, which, like, yeah, was like a massive kick to the crotch. Um, it's it, like, I don't check my bank account, and, but, and I'll just wait for Lloyds to text me and be like, oh, this is going out. I'm like, oh, is it? Mm. Um, I find, like, with relationships and stuff, like, I get a lot of people telling me that I'm a lot better for knowing because like if I meet someone in a one-to-one environment, no issues. But as soon as there's more than one person, like I go into my shell and then like, it's almost as if the only way I can push myself out of that is like, it comes across as either shy or arrogant and people are like, Oh, that guy's real arrogant. I mean, the tattoos and stuff that help that but might be that might be that. how do you find names what was your name again? like 
do you find you remember names? No. I have to repeat it off the times. I really struggle. And sometimes it will be people like now and again, it might be not my current flatmate, but like a girl I lived with for like over a year. And I'll be like, oh my God, I can't remember her name. Like so bad. Or I'll look to text someone like one of my best mates. And I'll be like, I've no idea what their name is. So I'm better at remembering names. Do you know if, some, if like if someone rings you from a company and says, "Oh, it's so and so from so and so," I'll be like, "Hello, so and so from so and so," and I will say that, and I get a lot of people sort of giggle at that. They'll be like, "Oh, it's Paul from E5," and I'll be like, "Hello, Paul from E5," and I'll I'll repeat it back to them just so that I remember. Mm. Because at the end of the phone call, I'll just be like, "Oh, bye, thank you, Paul." Yeah, one of the, genuinely one of the things I dislike most about myself is an inability to remember names, mainly because I noticed how nice that is. Like when someone uses your name, you immediately like them more. And I'm like, I wish I had the confidence to know that I'm not just like, anyway, Chris, thanks so much. And then you're like, who the fuck's Chris? Like, it's worse not to say their name than to say the wrong name, right? So I just avoid the name. And like, whenever I introduce people, I'm like, oh, this is like the person I do know their name. And I'm hoping they're going to say, I'm such and such. Nice to meet you. Like if I'm introducing two people and I don't know one of their names, I'm always like, well, this is Paul. And I'm hoping that they're going to be like, hey, Paul, I'm whatever. And they just say. Sometimes they don't. And then it's just awkward as hell. And I'm like, I don't know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Like I remember texting a client wrong name before. I used to, when I worked in person, I used to write people's names on my hand. On the inside, I wasn't going to have it like so everyone could see it. <laughs> like, why oh. is the name on your hand? <laughs> is that dopamine on your hand? Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, the first person to actually know that that was dopamine, though. Well, yeah. What but... about um, the other thing I noticed? And it's something that I didn't really notice until quite recently, like what the link was. But at home, like in my parents' house, so all the time I grew up, the radio would always be on. And I used to find it really, I was like quite agitated by it, but I didn't really know what it, why I was agitated. So even if my mum would just be like, oh, where are you going? Like, I can't answer when the radio is on. Like, don't speak to me if the radio is on. But it sounded like it was just like a horrible, like teenage girl thing to do. like, don't speak to me if the radio is on. But, um, but I just genuinely couldn't like comprehend both things. I think it's one of the reasons I don't have a TV as well, is that if the TV's on in the background, I have no idea what you're saying. Like, I can't have that there as well. So <clears throat> I remember. Um, let me just write that because I have to come back to that. Right. Um, so I remember um, I had an ex-girlfriend who literally just every every time we were talking and there was a TV on, like she was like, she was, she couldn't even speak to me because my focus was on the TV. So it was louder than she was. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a theme. And looking back at it, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because now I'm very similar that if anything's happening in the house, even Odin chewing something, 
I can't concentrate. I get so much more work done when I'm home alone. Like even when the dog's here, it's, I get less work done because obviously you need to go out and stuff like that and it sort of ruins your flow. But coming back to the stubbornness, the whole reason I ever went to university was because of that girlfriend. Because she told me that she didn't think I was smart enough to go to uni. Wow. Best thing that you ever, that probably anyone ever said to you though, right? Yeah. Seven years of education later. Yeah. Yeah. Crippling student loan debt. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, you nailed but, it. Oh. Yeah, coming back to the, the name thing. Did you, have you ever worked at How to Win Friends and Influence People? Have you listened I to haven't um, read it all, but I've read, like, I've listened to snippets. I've actually got it on Audible. Yeah. So the whole... But that's one yeah. of his things, right? Is like... Yeah, it's, it's Theodore Roosevelt. Basically, he, he was renowned at just remembering names. And they said that he knew personally over 10,000 people and never got a name wrong. And he said that's how... How amazing is that? Like, you meet someone like that and they remember your name. Like, I just wish... Like, even when I'm at, like, I don't know, expos or something, like, I just wish I could remember people's... Because I know how much it means to people. And I know how much it means to me as well when people remember my name. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Still Do you want to people mix you and Amelia up? No. Enough. I mean, we don't look anything alike. Yeah, but the names are so similar. Because, you like, it's the same syllable to start with, isn't it, really? Um... You literally sound most of them off saying Eminem. Yeah, Eminem. Um, I think sometimes, but only online. Like, as in, I'm pretty sure Amelia screenshotted me something, someone being like, hi, Emma, blah, 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 blah. She's like, that's not me, but sure. <laughs> Is this for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I think generally, not really. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I'm, I'm also very conscious of. And I don't think I'm the best at remembering names, especially if, especially if I've got two people who I meet at the same time who have very similar names. I find that the hardest. Like I joined a, I, when I joined my cricket team, I had Hatters and Haythack. Oh, took me about six months. Yeah. And sometimes I still get it wrong. Or when someone has, I guess it's pronouncing names for me as well. I'm like, I don't know if I'm saying that right. So I just... Don't do it. Um, do you? I know. I know that your routine's like massive to you. She wake up at five o'clock every morning, don't you? Because you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I couldn't do that anymore. I used to train at five o'clock every morning. Yeah, me too. I think that's how I started doing it, and then I was like, "Huh, you know what? It's way easier getting up at five making a nice coffee and doing a bit of work than it is going down to the canal and rowing so when you come from that it's like oh this is actually quite nice yeah I think if if I wasn't in person like I do like this morning like I don't on a Friday I don't do any in-person stuff Mm. so I find it easier to wake up on a Friday morning and be like yeah this is fine Oh, interesting, because normally people, it's the other way around. They're like, right, obviously, if you've got a client at six, you have to be there, so they get up. But if they don't, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. See, I wake up usually at the same time every day, regardless of what I'm doing. 
but I'm so much more productive in the morning. Mm, yeah, me too. Like I remember when I was at uni, <laughs> when I was competing and I was on contest prep, I used to wake up at four and get like three hours of work done before, before like none of the calories I ate worked. I couldn't concentrate. I, I used to do that at uni. I used to get up. This was when I was doing a master's. I used to get up really early because I had I was traveling from Dundee to Edinburgh. So it's like an hour's drive. So I'd get up really early to get through before the traffic and then I'd go to the gym and then I'd be there ready to start before like eight, before anyone was in anyway. And I was like, I've had a full day before you guys have even got here. Yeah. And like you're like, you don't want to feel like you're better than people, but you do feel better than people. Don't you? <laughs> but realistically, you are because you get up. A- no, I'm just- uh, it's like obviously like I start so many things and half finish them and then come back to them as you can see by my wall behind me. Oh yes. And do you because you've told me the story about you I don't want to say dropping off from your PhD, but Oh yeah. I also started two other masters. Well before your masters or after you were the masters? Um so I finished I actually did finish uni congratulations to me then I started a master's in diabetes which I dropped well which I decided I didn't want to do once I dropped out of that one then I started another master's and I decided I didn't want to do it and then I started a PhD and then I was I well I mean I did end up choosing not to stay on but there were other things involved in that uh basically a very long story short I had to destroy all of the data that I'd collected over the first like six months and then start again on a completely different project if I wanted to continue, which had nothing to do with what I actually wanted to do. I was also very much aware of how hard a PhD is. I think most people start a PhD not realizing the amount of work that goes into it. And then it's like the sunk cost fallacy in reverse. They're like, oh, well, I'm a year in now. I guess I just better keep going. And it's almost too late to drop out. Whereas I worked as a research assistant for a while and like my mum's an academic and like I just knew very much how if you don't freaking love the topic it will be the most boring four years of your what three four years of your life and I was like I didn't want to do it um so I ended up not doing that but it did force me to go all in business wise which I think was a really good thing in the end so I don't think it was negative but I did beat myself up a lot around that time. I think it's quite a hard time for anyone really, like the time between whether that comes after school or whether it comes after uni where you're like, huh, okay, I finished this like formal education part of my life. Like, what do I actually want to do? And it can feel like you fail at loads of things. And I remember my mum being like, it's not a failure. You've just figured out one other thing that you don't want to do. And I'm like, oh, like great reframe, but it still doesn't feel great. You know, like. Great reframe, still bitter, but yeah. But anyway, I think it it does take a while to figure out what you want to do. And, and the expectation that anyone would possibly know after school is wild to me. Like looking back when people are like, oh yeah, what do you want to do? How on earth could you know? Like, how can you leave school and know you want to be a lawyer? You have no idea what that actually entails. Same with like, oh, I leave school, I know I want to be a PT. You don't know what actually being a PT is like until you do it. So yeah, I think I think we put a lot of pressure on like young people to know that and that it's probably like it maybe should be quite normal to try things and not be afraid to be like, that was a sunk cost. 
like yeah I started this I moved all the way here to do this master's but but I know it's not what I want to do so two months in I'm not going to continue and just do the full year because I started and I think there's a really good book on this by Seth Godin called The Dip and it's all about like knowing when to quit or when not to quit and his his I guess the dip part is that you're always excited at the start and then there's this bit where like you're not very good at something yet and it's quite crappy but you need to push through that if you want to get to the end point right so it might be I don't know learning to drive at the start you're like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever I'm in a car and then you're like this is so boring and I still can't change gears and it's really annoying and I'm not doing it right and it's impossible but you need to move past that to get to the point where you're like oh this is cool it's easy and I've got my own car and I can go wherever I want whatever another really good example that he gives is in a marathon at the start nobody gives up at the end nobody gives up in the middle where you're like oh my god there's still freaking ages to go and I'm really tired and it's getting a little bit boring now that's when people give up and his point is it's not bad to give up in the middle if you know you don't want to get to the end but if you do like you need to understand that like that's the way motivation will be for almost any goal that you have like it might be fun at the start when you commit to it and you're excited about it then there'll be this space in the middle where it's not that great and then you'll get to the end point but you need to go through that middle bit or you need to decide because you know the opportunity cost of time energy money motivation you only get one life and you can only use it in certain ways would have been a complete freaking waste of time for me to finish that master's just because I started it so it's knowing yourself well enough to be like that's a sunk cost or this is something I need to dig in for do you want the end outcome enough to actually push through that boring dip bit where you're not that good yet I mean I, I like you said I think you can sort of align that with anything but you think fat loss is probably one of the biggest things you can can look at that for is there anything like is there anything where you've had something like for example when you were building the iq or the ec method or afm I have three more um businesses that emma runs um, is there any of them where you got like halfway through building and you're thinking fuck me and you found that dip and it's all of that catalytic moment where you're like, mm, I maybe could quit here, but I know what I'm trying to do. And um, Honestly, less so with those, because I think I was so in line with the outcome and I really enjoyed the process. And I guess that's another thing is to like remind yourself that you enjoy the process. Also having like someone I massively look up to, like there's no way I would let down Amelia. So there was no, like no chance I was going to, quit on that but it did make me realize another trait which is um productive procrastination I'll say a lot of the time like for example I made this journal on Amazon it's called the BJ it's done quite well actually and I've, I've ordered one up oh good the only reason that I made it was because I was putting off doing an EIQ lecture I was like I don't want to like I really don't want to do that but like oh maybe I've always thought maybe I'd want to make a journal so maybe I'll just do that instead and then I got really into that and I ended up like the lecture was fine I got it done in the end but I remember sitting in a coffee shop and I was like I know what I'm doing here but sometimes that's a good thing like productive procrastination if you're just doing something else it's probably not the thing that you know that you need to do or should be doing yeah but 
that that happens quite a lot that's how we got um eiq merchandise as well because i was procrastinating over probably writing a lecture that's usually what i procrastinate over you're not like writing lectures i think it's because it's probably because i want to impress amelia or at least live up to what she can do and not it not be like oh amelia's lectures are really good and then like emma's come up and you're like oh what the hell's going on here and also just her standard because her name's on it as well right so whatever i put out there has to be good because it's her reputation on the line as well and i think that that always puts a bit of a barrier up to me because i'm very like you said imperfect action if i'm like oh i got halfway through and i've realized like one of the slides is missing i'd just be like oh i'll just come back to that at the end or something whereas if i was recording it knowing that Amelia's name is with it as well I'd record it again so it's just like it's a little bit more not even perfectionist but I just have higher standards if I'm doing it with her yeah because then the blame falls on both of you know, rather than just you yeah and obviously like going back to the journaling because you journal is that something that you think is aligned to the ADHD or do you think that's just something that you've fallen into stumbled in gone into or um I think being organized really helps uh so that's basically why a journal is probably not what a lot of people expect exactly like a lot of my journaling isn't really like deep meaningful thoughts or anything it's like what do I need to get done so that I can get that out of my head and onto paper and sometimes it's more like deep and meaningful or like, why did I make that choice today? Or was that choice really in line with my goals or my values? Or like, did I spend that time in the way I should have spent it? I, after doing like a block of therapy, I became a little bit obsessed with trying to make as many decisions as possible in line with what was most important to me and like assessing my life a little bit more via that. Like, did you live in line with your values today? And a lot of the days it's no which is fine, I'm human, so is everybody else. But it was then like, okay, no, so how do you make sure that tomorrow that you do? Or how do you make sure that broadly this week that you do? And there'll be weeks where you don't, like if I had a launch or something, I'd be like, it's probably not in value with time off or spending time with my family or looking after my health optimally, but it is in line with my value of impact and driving this business forward. So that's going to take priority this week. But making conscious decisions in line with that is basically why I journal. And do you find that having those thoughts outside your head, do you feel as that they actually come out of your head? Or is it, oh, right, then I'm now on a piece of paper and I'm still in my head? Probably an element of both. I do find once you write stuff down, I know it's so simple probably too simple for people to actually do but once you write stuff down it's not as much as what you think like the, there's definitely periods of time where I'm like I have so much to do I don't even know how I'm ever going to get it done I feel really stressed and then when I write down everything I need to do I'm like oh okay like it might be a lot but it's it's fine and that stuff doesn't need to be done till next week and that stuff somebody else can do and that stuff I'm not even that fussed about I'm just not going to do it and once it's there in paper, it's much easier to make those choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that most people probably do, but they, wouldn't, they just wouldn't class it as journaling, would they? They'd be like, oh, I'll just do this. 
I'll write it down because then at least I know what I'm, I'm battling. But a lot of people don't. I think that's the point. I'm like, it is such a simple thing, but a lot of people just sit with it in their heads, ruminating and stressing over it and don't ever write it down. I see it, like, a lot of my clients who struggle with sleep, I'm like, try just doing a brain dump before bed of just everything that's in your head. And then they're like, oh, that that makes such a big difference, actually. And I realized so much of my, I'm not a massively stressed person, but my like stress or like, and I'm not, I don't have anxiety, but feelings of being anxious came from worrying that I would forget to do something. So as soon as I blocked it all out in my calendar or wrote it in my notes or, you know, had it down and knew it was going to get done, I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll worry about that then. But there's a time in my calendar for it. So I know it's going to get done and I don't need to do it right now. And I think that's one of my traits is like, if something needs to be done, I want to do it now. So I'm like, oh, well, but, but actually just having Google Calendar and being like, okay, well, that, that will get done, that now thing. But tomorrow during this time was like much easier mentally. Do you feel like a lot of people, when obviously you said that it's too simple for people to sort of appreciate and actually do, do you feel like when you work with people that if you give them something that's, or if you give something something simple, but you explain it in an overly complex manner, they're more likely to do it? Um, yes, maybe not overly complex, but I think the way that you deliver things massives, ma- matters massively. So like, if you're just like, you should journal, that does absolutely nothing. If you explain why and the benefits and that actually you're kind of trying to rewire some of the neural circuits in your brain, and this is why we're writing it down. And this is why we're looking at it from perspective. And that actually gives you perspective versus just ruminating on it in your head. Then people are more likely to do it. Or you're giving them a framework, which is why I made the journal. Because most people, you know, previously, I'd be like, you, you should definitely think about journaling. And they're like, what would I write? Which is a, a fair question, right? Which is why I've given structure behind it. Yeah. And like, do you feel sort of coming back to you journaling and, and whatnot, is there any other sort of things that you put into your day-to-day things that you would do like about three, four, five times a week that sort of helps you concentrate? Um, I think environment's ah. really important. So like, I really like doing certain work in certain places. You're a coffee shop person, are you? coffee shop for and and I also think that your brain gets used to that like right when I sit in this coffee shop in this environment that's when I focus on this when I'm sitting in front of my computer like that like that's when I'm on a live or a podcast or whatever like you get used to what you should be doing in the environment that you're in yeah um I wrote down the wrong word what did you write I'm trying to do what you do do you know what you write down words in like when you're talking I was like I'll come back to that and you said the word environment so I wrote down environment Mm -hmm. instead of the word I actually meant to write which I have no idea what it was now (laughs) all right then Um, well that's been freaking awesome I've I've remembered it I remembered it so um obviously you write like like I've seen like pictures of your your diaries and stuff like that and like mate, it's packed it's literally like colorful organized and do you feel like you get 
like this massive dopamine rush after you've like completed everything the day do you know when you like your calendars you've done your calendar and you've, you've wrote some and you're like yeah you're like yeah i've done today don't have to worry about it and it's just that yeah yeah because i think that's there's, the... there's a quote and it's like wake up determined go to bed satisfied and i love and i really struggle to go to bed satisfied if i've not had like quite a busy day so i enjoy that like i enjoy that amount of busy even though i fully know that like busy doesn't equal productive or busy doesn't mean better but there's still an element of me that enjoys it yeah yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I'm in, like, quite a massive transition period, like, trying to get my meds sorted and redoing my office. Um, but, like, one of the best things I, I can do for myself every day is do work. Because then I don't feel anxious about the work I have to do tomorrow. So this did end quite abruptly because someone came to the door and I'm about to go. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Do give us a like, a follow, a share, and um, yeah, tag people in who we think might enjoy this. And I'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys.